Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. Very good, very good. So good to see you. Thanks for sharing your Sunday with us. I hope that this week you've stayed somewhat cool. The fact that you're here means that you made it. And uh, we are so delighted uh, that you're here today. Why don't you just quickly turn to the person next to you and say it's going to be a good message this morning. Well, we are... Uh, in the middle of our series, which is called I Saw It Coming. And this purpose of this series is to prepare us for what may or may not be ahead this year. Now, personally, I'm an optimist. I always think like, oh, we could like, we could make this work. Like, you know, and um, I'm married to a realist and she's like, no, we, we can't. That's a really bad idea. And as I say, I have a lot of ideas and some of them are good ones. And I'm okay with that. I'm like the idea person, but there is a process which the bad ideas get separated and we're left with the good ideas. I would love to say to you that this year, everything is going to go your way. I would love to say to you this year, every like all your relationships are going to be free from conflict. I would love you to say that every plan is going to happen. Now, the, the reason that I would love to say that is because I'm optimist and I, and I like you and I want the best for you. But who knows? The reality of life is we don't know what's ahead of us. We don't know what's ahead of us. And sometimes what's ahead of us is not always good and sometimes a lot of the times most of the times we don't have any control about it sometimes what is coming ahead is the result of our own personal decisions good bad and indifferent but if I'm honest in life a lot of stuff is just it happens because that's the world that we live in now I'm so thankful for a faith And for when we look at the Bible, excuse me, (laughs) theatrics, drama, lights. I love it. Just a pause. We can edit that out of the podcast. (laughs) Now, I'd love to say that, but when when we read the Bible, we read human stories and sometimes they're stories of tragedy, but there's always hope. And there's always answers and we see the presence of God being with people, Emmanuel, God with us in every situation and circumstance. And we also see patterns for how God wants to live and us to live with Him and navigate life in a way that is healthy and allows our hearts and our spirits to thrive no matter what circumstance or situation is ahead. 
And that's the reality of life. So we're going to hope for the best, but in some cases prepare for, the saying is the worst, but prepare for some things that are probably going to be ahead of us. Now, a couple of weeks ago, um, we went away as a family to Mullaney, and I'd actually never been to Mullaney before. I don't know if there's any Mullaney super fans here. There may be some. But at the end of this day, we're on school holidays. At the end of this day, my six-year-old son, his name is Ben, he said to me, that was the best day of my life. And do you know what this day included? Burgers, two scoops of ice cream, a swim in a waterfall swimming hole, and he got to watch cricket at night. This is the best day of my life. And we have good days, and I think when, it's, when you're six years old, it's pretty easy to have like the best day of your life. When you, when you get a little bit older, you're like, oh, you know, you could do all those things. And we've got our good days, but we've also got our bad days. Now, we, the, when we say we, we had a bad day, that can, be, that can be relative, right? So sometimes you're like, I had a bad day and like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Like, what happened? And you're like, well... I went to a cafe and they didn't have my favorite type of almond milk. And so it was a bad day. Or like the aircon was set at 22 and I really prefer that it's set at 23. Like that's a bad day. Or like I ran out of watching, like I was binging this series and I came to the end of the episode and I don't know what to watch on Netflix. Some people, sometimes we can be like, that's a bad day. But I'm talking actually about really bad days. And I'd prefer not to, to say it. We've all had them. But what, what are our really bad days? Our really bad days are usually when we lose something. Maybe we lose a job. Maybe we have a, a conflict, relationship. Uh, maybe we have some kind of uh, personal tragedy or an issue with someone that we know or, or, or with our health. And to, today I want to talk about our really bad days and what to do and how we can prepare for our really bad days. Now, our really bad days usually have three things most of the time. They have loss, they have grief, and they have... I'm calling it division, but division is a type of conflict that separates. Who knows that like conflict, the type, there is a type of conflict that we need to have that actually brings us together, that brings things, brings us on the same page where we get to express ourselves and we get to understand people. That type of conflict, even though that's not always fun, that's healthy, but there is a type of conflict that separates and draws people apart and causes division in relationships, in families, in communities. And that is usually a characteristic of a really bad day. Often, this is unexpected. A couple of years ago, there was a song, I don't know if you remember it. It was, the, I just remember the line, it's like, I wasn't expecting that. Does anyone remember that song? 
I actually was listening, like that song was on, on in my car when I heard the news that my pop had passed away. And I was like, it was exactly that. It was unexpected and it was, it was loss and it was grief. And so today, as we talk about things and, and we, we open the Bible together, I, I do want to say that we're not treating these things lightly. I know that in a group like this, there is all kinds of things going on right now and all kinds of things in your past where you've lost stuff, where you're, you're grieving, maybe you're still grieving, you're mourning, and, and maybe there's division, maybe it's still active, or maybe it's been part of your past. So as I go through this, I'm not treating these things lightly. I know that these are, these are real things with real emotions. But it is important for us to talk about it so that we can prepare ourselves and so that we have a, a pattern of what are some things that we could do when we next face those situations because you're going to have, in one day or another, you're going to have a, a bad day. We're going to pick up from the story of David, which we've been studying, and I'm going to read a passage. If you know the Bible, it's read it before, you, you might have heard of it. Uh, before we do, I want, to, I want to talk about a couple of groups of people that are in the passage. So the first group of people is the Israelites. So the Israelites at this stage are led by King Saul. So they're led by King Saul. They are God's people. Uh, king Saul was the guy, the first king that God chose through the prophet Samuel. And he, he disobeyed God and he was rejected as king. David was anointed but they're still in this gap where um, King Saul is, is still the king and the leader of the Israelites. Now, the Israelites' kind of enemy at this time were the Philistines. You may have heard them if you've read the Bible before. What do we know about the, the Philistines? Uh, we don't know a lot. Some people, uh, they're also known perhaps as the sea people. They were thought to have come from other parts of Greece or Crete, and perhaps assimilated with the people of Canaan. And so they were uh, fighters, they were warriors. Then we also have uh, the Amalekites. So the Amalekites were nomadic desert tribes. They were descendants of Abraham's son Esau. Any Star Wars fans? Maybe they were like the Tuscan Raiders. I don't know if you have any Star Wars fans. Yes, at the back. This is a good altar call. So David, at this time, you've got these three, three groups of people. He has a complicated relationship with all of them because King Saul and the Israelites are trying to kill him. He's on the run from them. He goes to the Philistines. Now, obviously, he had killed Goliath, who was a Philistine, but he is in and out of Philistine territory. He's double-crossing them. He's staying with them. God's given him favor. He's pretending like he's mad. And so he's got this kind of complicated relationship that you can read uh, as you read the story of, of David. And he has ongoing skirmishes with the Amalekites. So he's, they're kind of this nomadic tribe, but he's kind of, they're having these battles and they're taking things from each other. And this is the situation where we see, pick up the story. And this story is a story of 
David's really bad day. It's a story of loss. It's a story of grief. And it's a story of division. And we'll read in 1 Samuel chapter 30. It says, David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites, which are these nomadic desert tribe, had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it. And they had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. Now watch this. The first thing that that David experienced, he experienced loss. And his really bad day, he's experienced the loss of pretty much everything. So what does he lose? He loses his family. He loses his community, the families of his uh, companions and fighting companions. He loses his dwelling. No doubt that he, the place that he stays, w- stayed was burnt to the ground as part of this. He loses his possessions and in an instant, They are all gone. He faces incredible loss. Let's continue. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. So loss was followed closely by grief. Verse 6, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. So we see this loss followed by this grief, which is a deep emotional response, which has physiological impacts on the body. It can impact, as you know, if you've experienced this, your sleep, your thought patterns, your ability to think clearly. And there's all kinds of unexpected emotions, anger and sadness and shock. And this is what's happening. He was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him and each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. So we've got this loss that is followed by grief, that is followed by a questioning. Usually when we have grief and loss, we start to question. We want answers. Who is responsible? Now this can happen in this case. They were trying to figure out actually who is responsible. Sometimes in life, we can question, how did this happen? Is this something that I did? These series, this, the cause of this bad day, is it something that I did? Is it something that my parents did? Is it something that people around me did? And sometimes we can even question God. If God is good, how could this happen to me? If I love God and He loves me, why are these bad things happening in my life? And this is a common thing when we have loss and grief. And sometimes what can happen is that loss and grief can lead to bitterness and blame. Bitterness and blame. 
Who's experienced that? Who's, who's experienced something where you're, you feel like you're, you're angry? Now, the questioning of David's men had led them to have bitterness and blame towards David. So David not only has to deal with the loss and the grief and the leadership responsibilities, but he's also got to deal with the conflict that's brought division where he's being blamed and people are bitter. It's a natural human response sometimes, not necessarily healthy, but that's where we go. That's why this this passage is so powerful in highlighting that. Have you, have you experienced what it's like when you have loss and when you have grief and when you have conflict that leads to division? What happens? I find what happens is it's incredibly draining. Incredibly draining. Your, your strength goes. And I think part of it is not just actually what's happened, but the emotional energy that it takes to deal with conflict, the emotions that are associated with grief, and it easily saps our energy. I remember as part of the the journey for starting this church, it was about 12 years ago that probably about that we were 12 years, maybe even a little, maybe even 13 years ago that we were in Sydney and we were looking to start this church. We were taking active steps. And at that time, we were with a a different group of churches than what we're with now. And that group of churches had a church planting vision. And we wanted to, to plant a church in Brisbane. And we spoke to the uh, the national leader about that, and the national leader said, I, "I don't want you to plant there. It's it's too close to to my church. It's about twenty five kilometers away. So it's too close to my church." And so we we respected that. We were under authority, but for me, I felt like there was just this sense of of loss. There was just this sense of, "Hey, God, this is not a selfish dream, but." I just felt like something broke within me. And at that time, my, my strength literally, after that meeting, I said to, I said to Beck, I, just, I need to just go to sleep. And I just went home and I'm not saying that's what you should do. My uh, mentor and, and he's a, a counsellor, he says, it's not a bad thing to do. Of all the things you can do when something goes wrong, but I just remember just being like sapped, just like something like all the, if it was like a glass filled with water, it was like that was broken and just boom, all that energy just dissipated. There are times when we feel our strength is gone. So here's a question. Where do we go when our strength is gone? Where do we go when we face these situations and circumstances that are beyond our control, that lead us to loss, to grief, to division. We're dealing with maybe some or all of these factors. Where do we go? Sometimes 
when the strength is gone, we, we don't look for strength, we look for distraction. That's what I do sometimes. You look, you look for distraction. We look for comfort. Have you got a favorite comfort food? I've got many. Like, I'm just like, you know, we go to the fridge or we go to the drive-thru. Or we open a bottle of something or, or do something. That is sometimes our natural inclination to deal with stress. We look for escape and we look for people to blame. But there's something in this story that makes us sit up and take a, pay attention because there is such a powerful principle and key in this story and in this pa- passage about how David dealt with this conflict, dealt with this loss, this grief, this division. And here's what I want to say is that if we grab a hold of this, it will literally change our lives. I don't want to understate, understate that. If we understand this principle of what we can do when things go wrong in our life, and if we apply it regularly and learn to apply it, it will literally change our lives. I would say that this is one of the most important things that you and I can do as a Jesus follower is learn how to do this. And David did something that's very simple. And here it is, just a couple of words. It says this. But David found strength in the Lord his God. David found strength in the Lord his God. There is something that is available to you and I as Jesus followers in our most difficult moment. And there is something that is real and is authentic. I'm not talking in this difficult time where we just say, okay, if you follow Jesus, just put on a mask. Just pretend that everything's okay. This is not what is happening here in the story of David. This is David finding something that allowed him in his darkest moment, in his moment of loss and grief and division, that allowed him to be ready to fight for his family, to be ready to fight for others, to allow him to be present for what God wanted to do in his life. There are times and many times that in my uh, and your deepest and most hurting moments that God calls you to be strong for others. He calls you to fight. And in those times, I want to be where God wants me to be, ready to be strong for others, ready to see victory for others. I don't want to go missing. I don't want to go missing for my family when they need me the most, even though I'm hurting. And there is something that is real, that is authentic, that is genuine. It doesn't deny reality. It doesn't say, oh, everything's great. They, they didn't interview David. How do you feel today? And he's like, oh, life's great. God's good. When we read the story, uh, the Psalms, you see that David was so honest about his situation and circumstance. 
He never denied it. He was never fake, but he was also honest in his conviction of the goodness of God. And true Christian authenticity as a Jesus follower is both of those things. I'm hurting, but something's going on within me that is allowing me to have strength. I'm not just putting on a face or a facade. So what does it mean to find strength in the Lord? There's a The Apostle Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. He says, I ask out of the riches of His glory, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. When we understand this principle, it means that we say, God, by His grace, by the power of the Holy Spirit, can actually do something, and let's call it what it is, let's call it a miracle. He can, because only God can heal a heart, only God can strengthen a heart. He does an act of grace, a miracle, and He connects me in the deepest parts into the resources of heaven. He, tra- he changes and transforms me, not so that I, I, I'm, I'm fake, but so like I'm hurting, but God has given me strength. And sometimes you can literally feel it if you've tried or practiced this, and sometimes it's, it's by faith. And you're like, God, you've put something in there. You've, out of your abundance, you've filled... And you've met me in my lack. You've met me in my weakness and your power becomes alive within me. And David found strength at the source. David found strength at the source. And I think this is so important. Who knows that sometimes we look for secondhand strength. Now, if you're in community, if you're in relationship, if you've got family um, who are strong, and who are encouraging, not everybody has that. But if you do, there are opportunities for them to give you strength. To encourage someone is actually to give them courage. I am so grateful for that. There are a couple of things is that at times, those people may not exist around you, or those people may need to be the people that God has called you to be strong for. In this story, particularly one of David's wives, and we'll talk about the multiple wives thing next week, but one of David's wives, her name was Abigail, she was incredibly encouraging and resourceful. We see that in the story. But she wasn't around. She wasn't there to encourage David because she was taken off. There will be times when the people that you usually rely on may need your help, may need your strength. And that's one reason, but there's a deeper reason is that we need to learn how to get strength at the source. Now, if you've had kids or you remember this stage of being a kid or you've got nephews, nieces or or you work with kids, you know that, particularly in my house, whenever my kids enter the orbit of the kitchen, they ask for things. So they are relentlessly hungry. And so they come to the kitchen, open the fridge, always hungry. What can I have? 
You just had like literally you just had lunch five minutes ago. I'm still hungry. Okay. And they're hungry. They're also, they're also thirsty. Pretty, pretty simple thing. Uh, Mom, dad, I'm thirsty. And so when they're like a baby, you, you'll give them a bottle. When they're one or two, you'll give them a, like a sipper cup. And then three and four, you'll, you'll help them get that. Eventually, there comes a point in your child's life where you're going to need to help them to work out where is the source. There comes a point where you're going to need to sit them down and say, hey, you're 35 years old now. Your mum and I have been talking. You're going to have to start to get your own cups of water. Now, what, what would we say? We would say that part of the responsibility of a parent is to bring a child into, into a maturing process where they can learn to get their own water. I think that's a pretty basic thing, right? To turn on a tap. We're blessed. In Australia, we can drink from the tap. Lots of places in the world, you can't do that. So we can do that. So you get a cup. Here's where it is. It's in a low-lying, low-lying cupboard. You, All right. So basics, right? There is an element, and the way that the Bible describes our faith is a maturing process where God wants to teach each and every one of us how to get strength from the source. Because sometimes when things go wrong, when we need something, sometimes, I know that this is part of, part of my journey, sometimes we can be a little immature and when things go wrong, we fall apart and we need someone to soothe us and bring us back to, back to, and we fall apart for all kinds of reasons. But there is a strength in maturing that says, no, when things go wrong, the first person I'm going to go to is God. And this is a sign, a key sign of Christian maturity is how quickly you go to God when things go wrong. How quickly? The length of time. Now, I grew up in, uh, I'm a pastor's kid, missionary kid. Uh, my therapist says I'm doing pretty well. And that was a joke. So I, I, like, I, I'm blessed to have parents that have taught me the ways of God and the things of God. And so I was... After school, I studied business. I got married. My wife and I, the first six years of our life, we volunteered as youth pastors and started a youth group um, in a church in Sydney. And so, like, I knew things. And then it was probably about uh, 10, 11 years ago, I, I went into full-time ministry and, and I was on staff at a, at a large church. And... I remember early on, I had some things go wrong and I just sat on them and I was just, I just complained to myself about them. I was just caught up in my mind and I figured out and I said to myself, Andrew, you, you are not very mature. 
And what I had to learn, even though I knew, but I had to put it into practice, is that when things go wrong, when I have a bad day, I've got to go first to the Lord. I've got to go first to the Lord. Here's one thing I, I learn as well is that even though I, I will seek help from others, and I, I, do, I am the beneficiary of other people's support and encouragement, before I talk to them, I'm going to talk to the Lord. It's a simple, like one of the most simple practices that you can do for your spirit and to bring yourself into maturity, another way we would say, into the fullness of the measure of Christ, is growing into Christ-likeness. It's what Jesus did. He, he regularly withdrew to talk to the Father. So really simple. Here are two things that you can commit to for your really bad days. The first one is this, commitment. On my really bad days, I will find strength at the source. Now, David was really good about this. Psalm 62, he talks about pouring your heart out to the Lord. Finding your strength at the source is not denying reality or putting on a mask. It's saying, God, there is stuff going on in my life and I want to talk to you about it. And I can't deal with it myself. Yesterday I drove to a friend of mine's um, conference on the Tweed coast and back. So I had a lot of time. In the first drive, I just spoke to the Lord and said, here are some things that are going on that I don't know what to do about. And I saw it's very simple. I love uh, A.W. Tozer. He's got a quote, the key to prayer is starting to pray. It's something like that. If you don't know how to pray, you start. How do I pray? Start. God, help me. And this is a commitment that I believe that we can have, you and I, every Christian, every believer, is that when something goes wrong in my life, I'm going to talk to God about it first. And I'm going to say, God, would you strengthen me? Sometimes you will feel a change. Sometimes you will not there and then. But I guarantee you that eventually you will see God work in your situation. God doesn't have any stepkids. We cannot rely on other people's relationships. I am so glad for the legacy that my parents have, have left me, but I don't, I don't rest on that legacy. I'm, I'm seeking God. I'm taking steps of faith myself. I'm connecting with the source. Here's a couple of practical things that I do. I walk and talk get moving in my prayer. And if I'm really stuck, what I find helps is I write it out. If I'm really stuck, I will write out how I'm feeling, two practical things. So David found strength in the Lord. What next? What did David do next? David inquired of the Lord. Then David said to Abithia, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, should have practiced those names more before I... Google, how do you pr pronounce that? Bring me the ephod. So the ephod is like the priestly, is like a vest. It's essentially, think of it like this. David spoke to the pr priest and said, get ready to hear the voice of the Lord. 
Get ready. Prepare yourself to inquire of the Lord. We can do that without a fancy linen vest in the new covenant. And David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. Here's the second thing that we can do. On my really bad days, I will submit myself to God's next step. So I've chosen this word submit. It's not a word that's necessarily popular in our culture. But I didn't believe that if we said, I will ask God, that that would carry the same effect. Because what we understand and what we know of David is that whatever God asked him to do, he would do. So if I come to God in a posture of prayer and say, God, whatever you say, if you make it clear, and sometimes that is a process, and sometimes hearing the voice of God, it's, it's through the Bible, it's, it's through prayer, it's through others' wisdom. But when I get a sense of what you want me to do, I'm going to do it. This is so key for us on our really bad days. Do you know that not every voice should be listened to? That we need to make sure and we need to cultivate the voices in our life? In this story, there were voices of bitterness and blame. What David had to do is he had to elevate the voice of God in his life as the greatest voice. He was on the mixing desk. He had to turn down those voices, even though he, he caught, even though he understood their pain. But where it became bitterness and blame, he had to turn that down and he had to magnify or lift up or elevate the voice of God in his life. This is key for us to learn to do. Now, hopefully we do this on a daily basis, not just when things go wrong, but we've got to learn to turn down voices. What voices do we have to turn down? One is sometimes our own negative self-talk, our own patterns, pessimistic patterns that minimize. That's a big one for most of us. We have to replace that daily, replenish that by the Word of God, by a word of faith, by a word of life, that we have Jesus with us, that we're walking in hope and life. On my really bad days, I will submit myself to God's next step. We're almost done. God wants to position you and I to be people who can restore. God wants to position you and I in our lives that on bad days, sometimes that happened to others, sometimes that happened to us, sometimes that happened to community, that God will allow us to be an agent of restoration, of renewal. God will enable us to be a voice of hope. Who would like this year, as you're coming up, to say, in the dark days, I want to carry the light of Jesus? That if something happens in my workplace, that if something happens in my family and it's tough and it's real, 
that in an authentic way, in a real way, not in a fake way, not in a pretend Lego movie, everything is awesome way, but say, man, this is tough. And sometimes you'll be in a group of people that say, can we pray together? And sometimes you're just going to get on your knees and say, God, what's next? How can we bring hope? How can we bring restoration? David arrives later in the story. God's provision has led him. And and they were there and they were the Amalekites scattered over the countryside. It's the last part of verse 16. Drinking and reveling because of the great amount of plunder they had taken from the land of Philistines and Judah. And David fought them from dusk. David fought. How did he how did he fight? He fought with the strength that God had given him to fight. God is giving you strength to fight. God is imparting by faith the ability to stand up to be an agent of restoration and renewal in your life. And none of them got away except 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. Now listen to this. David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Nothing was missing. Young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken. And David brought everything back. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're just going to take a moment in the presence of God. And I believe that for some of you in this moment, God is going to give you strength for the fight. I believe in some of this moment, I was preparing this message that God, for some of you, there's a couple, one or two people, maybe more, that something happened to you a long time ago that you actually need strength for right now. Just going to ask everyone to, to close their eyes. If that's you, just well, just so that I can pray for you and release faith to you. If that's you, something happened that has drained your strength for many years and you believe by faith that God can give you strength. If that's you, would you put up your hand? I want to release your faith to you. Yeah. Yeah. God, we thank you for those people with the closeness and the love of a personal God, I pray that you would reach them, that you would strengthen them in their innermost being with the spiritual resources of heaven. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that the love of God would be felt so clearly in their lives, that the presence of God, the closeness of God, just still with your eyes closed, can you pray for those people even though you don't know who they are? Because as a community, we're a community that that releases the love and the presence of God. God, we thank you and we honour you for that. In the name of Jesus, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your presence. God, as a church, we want to be people that grow into the type of maturity that allows us to seek you first, to find strength at the source, to be a source of restoration, of encouragement, to learn how to hear your voice, to walk in step with you. And we thank you and we honour you for that in Jesus' name. 
Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.